Hey everybody, I'm Trusephine Millies and this is Ninth Arcana, a tarot podcast. Today we're talking about the Two of Wands. Two is the number of partnership. It's of balance and duality. It's conflict. It's the first step away from being alone. Pretty often we can think of the two in tarot as a fork in the road. There are two paths ahead and a choice needs to be made. As for wands, I want to read to you out of a book called A Little Bit of Tarot. This is page 35. Wands, rods, or staves, the suit of fire, the world of inspiration and creativity. Wands are the suit of originality, independence, and individuality, and untapped potential above all. Wands talk of all creative and artistic ventures, of male potency, travel, success, spontaneous house moves, or relocation, health, self-confidence, and self-esteem, independence, fame, and finding and following your unique path. Wands advise focusing on your own needs and dreams, developing creative talent, taking the lead at work, or branching out with your own business or self-employment. They promise personal joy and fulfillment, and any wands approach will be dynamic, spontaneous, intuitive, and inventive, and will involve the unexpected. Abundance and generosity are its virtues. Fickleness and a tendency to give up on the first obstacle and patience with human frailty or boredom are its faults. That just explains it better than I ever could. Let's look at the cards. I have always seen this Waitsmith card as someone about to embark on an adventure. It's kind of the fool and the magician combined. He feels like an explorer. Like this is Columbus after King Ferdinand said he could use his ships. The Aquarius and the Waitsmith show a man standing on a roof, holding a globe in his right hand and a wand in his left hand. He's wearing red and orange. That's power and creation. He is full of all of the energy that he needs to take on something huge. The second wand is attached to the little wall, which I've never noticed until right now. But the wand that he's not holding is physically attached to the place where he is standing. This is not going with him. The wand in his left hand, however, looks like a staff. It's very magician-like. This guy is just daydreaming about his plans, his adventures. He's looking out over homes and trees and mountains and a lake. And clear skies tell him his path is clear. The gods are not protesting this adventure. The seas are going to be just fine. Moving on to the Morgan Greer. The first thing that I see here is a small thing in the other two cards. And it's small enough that I chose to just blatantly ignore it. But here, it's like a third of the card. It's his shield on his arm and the three flowers that are on the shield. There are two red flowers. The first one that's open looks like a poppy to me. Poppies represent remembrance and death. The smaller red flower looks like a closed rose. The internet, like all the things, all say that these are both roses, but I have to disagree. The open one looks like a poppy. The closed one looks like a rose. And roses are desire and adoration and love. And this is a closed rose. So this means that this is like the potential for those things. But this rose is being shy. It's not ready. It's not open yet. There's a website called tarotforum.com that I go to when I want to read about the Morgan Greer because I don't have the guidebook. 
And on the website, there is someone who said that the white lily represents abstract thought, which I think is really interesting for a card like this, for a two and for a wand. But when you look up lilies, it says purity and devotion. It's the flower that's used for funerals and for weddings. He's got a red hat, which shows that he has a powerful mind. He's also got a feather in that hat, and it's white and black, which means that he can see both sides of the situation, or that he can think of both sides, the positive and the negative, that he can see where there might also be a problem. He's not just purely idealistic. His red cloak is being held by a red clasp over his heart. So even his heart energy is being filtered through his power. His globe is in his right hand, the action outward hand. His wand, or in this case in this deck, his rod, is in his left hand, which is his receiving and feeling hand. Instead of a globe of the world, the globe looks like a crystal ball, but it's murky. He can't see what's in the future, so he can't be sure of his plan. He has gloves on and they're blue, which means that he holds his passions in his voice and his style and his expression. It's difficult for me to connect blue and hands because blue is voice and it's throat and it's expression and it's speaking and it's speaking your truth. So he is needing to use his hands in order to do that, which feels weird, but that's what it is. On the left side of the picture, there is a bare hand holding the second rod. He's holding it out to him. This is an offer. The top of the rod is bare. It looks like it was just snapped off of a tree. So here he has to decide, is he going to take this offer from this person? Someone that doesn't have gloves on even, that's totally bare, but you can't see his face. He doesn't know this person. He doesn't know what his motivation is. Plus, if he does decide that he's going to take the offer, he's going to have to put down either his rod or his crystal. If he puts down his rod, then that means that his singular idea, his thing, the whole point of it has to be compromised. The downside of a partnership, not doing everything all by yourself, is that you have to compromise. It's no longer 100% your idea and your vision. Someone else's information has to come into this vision and it will change. He could put down his crystal ball because it's murky. He can't really use it anyway. But what if it's about to clear up? What if the vision is about to appear and then he won't have it? I feel like he's kind of stuck here. So maybe he'll choose to not take the rod. But then it's not the two of rods, is it? He's, he's going to have to take that rod. He's going to have to decide that, yes, he's willing to compromise and put something down in order to have the second rod. The mythic tarot has a very wary person holding on to his two wands in both hands, one in both hands. This is all fire and all orange and all red. There's no water, there's no rain, there's no tears. There's, it's just desert and like rock. There is a person or creature in the shadows in the cave behind the main person in the image. This is a centaur. On greekgodsandgoddesses.net, it says that centaurs in Greek mythology are half-man, half-horse creatures. They inhabited the mountains and the forests. Centaurs are followers of Dionysus, the god of wine, and are known for being savage and rowdy and boisterous. So the main figure in this picture feels something is probably about to happen, like he's nervous. The way that he's holding his rods, 
makes me feel like he feels like he might need to defend himself or at the very least defend whatever he is planning his idea that centaur looks like he might be about to jump at him the wild unknown is two wands pointed at each other this reminds me of when you meet a lit candle to an unlit candle the fire doesn't diminish it multiplies the colors are pretty interesting it's the rainbow but the red is at the very top where the two are touching this is sort of the opposite vibe that i get from the mythic and the morgan where there was deception and suspicion there is now collaboration it's the idea that good only gets better when a candle lights another candle its flame doesn't get smaller it just multiplies the line strider shows a bunny with a globe of the world and a pink lily Pink lilies mean love and adoration, and the bunny is standing in front of the two wands. Lilies also mean prosperity, abundance, compassion, understanding, depending on which Google link you want to click. Pink lilies are good. Rabbits mean abundance, which we have all heard, we know the saying, but they are also connected to Easter, and that's because they mean rebirth and they mean blessings. Springtime is when green things will start to pop out. The holly simple is the exact same energy as the wild unknown. It may even be the card that the wild unknown reminded me of. We've got two wands joining at the top, creating a light. They're sharing the warmth. There's no 50-50. It's just 100% from each of them. This is real partnership. In the Luna soul, what I see is very similar to the fool. The wand over his shoulder with the bag on the end it's got two symbols on it. One is Aries and one is the symbol for male. I don't know astrology the way that people know astrology, but I know that Aries is the god of war. He's the spirit of battle. So this is a very intense little bag of essentials this person has been carrying with him. His second one he's using to lean on. So we've got war and rest, or maybe preparation and ease. There's no globe here. But there is a moon, which isn't in any of the other cards. Moon energy in the sky means that things could get a little bit scary, a little bit dark. He might lose himself a little bit in this thing. He's standing on a path, and that path continues down to a little town behind a little wall. There's lots of water, but he doesn't have to cross the water. And there's lots of sky, which is air, thought, decisions. He's going to spend lots of time in his own head. He doesn't look happy about this adventure, though, contrasted with uh, the Waitsmith character. He's starting, he's starting on a high road with roses around him, and he's going to have to go to low ground. He's not protected by the stone castle that the other guy was. He's not protected by anything, but he has his little war bag. So he's going to be fine, even if he does have to walk through moon energy. In the process of relearning these cards, when I come into it, I remember what I used to think about the card. This is an explorer looking out over his land, thinking about what his plans are. And that always changes during the course of the eight cards. And although the Waitsmith is always going to be an explorer looking out over his land, the Morgan Greer really sticks out to me. The idea that in order to accomplish your goals and your ideas, you have to have trust. 
in other people and you have to accept what they're offering you in order to move on. You have to put something down in order to pick something up. You have to let something go to make room for, for something new. The wands is always going to be my creative life to me. This is me as an artist. This is me as a podcaster. This is me as myself because I make things. And the cards are always extremely personal. And I try not to make it like overtly about me and make it about the cards. But this is the thing that you do after you have the idea. This is the second step. And the second step is sharing it with someone, telling someone. And when you do that, you might accept their help. You might just need them to cheer for you. You might have to tell them that they can't steal it from you. Like there's so many different ways that you can have a partnership with someone to create a thing or to assist you in creating the thing. So partnership and conflict are the same thing. It's duality, right? You have to push the wall to knock it down to get through to get to the next thing. So in order to get to that three, you have to accept the offer given by the two. And I also feel like that I have to say, and I have to remind myself that wands are not just sticks. They are living things. They change in physicality and in energy. They're also magic like the magician with a magic wand. When pointed and words said, they create something, a real thing, a pointed wand, a pointed passion will always create a thing in real life, in real space. I'm not even talking about manifestation or anything. I mean, you take an idea, you care about it enough to make it a thing, and then the thing exists. That's my two of wands. Next week, we're going to talk about the two of swords because I'm in a two energy right now, apparently. Hit me up on Instagram, Ninth Arcana Podcast. You can find my art page, Queen of Marigold. You can talk to me there, too. Find me on Pod Page. I created a YouTube channel. I'm planning on going back to the old episodes and making them YouTube videos so that you can just listen there instead of on Spotify or, you know, whatever options are good. But in the meantime, you should go pull some cards and write about them in your journal. Okay, thanks. Bye. Ninth Arcana is created, written, produced, and edited by me, Teresa Fien Millies. Thank you for listening.